I'm Elaine Casket, and this is Wednesday's Ghost, a podcast where I tell you a story that's true, that's real, and that makes me feel just a little bit vulnerable. This episode is special because it's my publication day. I have a book coming out in the UK entitled Reboot, Reclaiming Your Life in a Tech-Obsessed World. So I thought today was a good day to tell you a story about writing, and it's one I haven't performed before. It's brand new. It's called Don't Hide the Bad Bits. Let me tell you a story. The book was entirely accidental. I'd had a passing thought, so passing that it wasn't even yet the sort of thing I would have bothered to scribble on a napkin or the back of an envelope. But I voiced this embryonic idea out loud in the presence of my literary agent, while we were idling in an office waiting for someone. That someone arrived and I forgot what I'd said, but my agent didn't. We emerged onto a busy London street afterwards and she clutched my arm and said, oh my God. I looked around for the car crash or the hot air balloon or whatever else she might be talking about, but she was talking about my next project. I didn't want it to be my next project, I'd already decided to enroll in a six-month novel program and realize my childhood dream of becoming a fiction writer. Actually, scratch that. As a child, I fully claimed the current title of novelist without considering it to be a when-I-grow-up situation. So let's say instead that I wanted to fulfill my early promise, return to my original purpose, or at the very least get out into the world what I thought was a killer premise for a book and that I might be able to sell to Netflix afterwards. My agent asked me to do the nonfiction proposal instead, or at least also to consolidate my brand after my previous nonfiction book. I pushed back, she pushed back, I pushed back, she pushed back, I caved. I didn't think the proposal would sell and probably, definitely, secretly, not so secretly, hoped it wouldn't. I rebelliously started on the six-month novel program before I knew what would happen with the other thing. When I got the email that there was an offer on the nonfiction proposal, my heart sank. My idea wasn't just half-baked. It wasn't even a bowl of dough yet, didn't have a list of ingredients. It was like that possibly apocryphal vintage cookbook entry that starts, first, catch your swan. I hadn't even caught the swan. And it took me a good long time to corral that bird, let me tell you. I finished the first draft of the novel, but then felt too guilty and too obligated to the nonfiction project to edit it further. For the next two years, the novel would sit alluringly on the sidelines, a piece of low-hanging fruit that I couldn't allow myself to pick. In those two years, there were a global pandemic, a year of on-again, off-again homeschooling, a bout of depression coinciding with the third UK lockdown, an ill-fated bicycle journey, a major knee surgery, months of boring rehab, and week after week of reading about writing and writing about writing instead of writing what I was supposed to be writing. I read Rest by Alex Pang, which has this fantastic chapter on creativity. I hoovered up all the quotes in that chapter about how you had to show up, sit down, not wait around for inspiration to strike or the muse to arrive first. I tried to prepare the muse a landing strip, set an attractive trap. In other words, I told myself I needed to go to my desk and start writing, even if conditions didn't seem optimal or the motivation wasn't there. But I didn't. 
over and over again, I read Savage Gods by Paul Kings North, one of the best books about writers and creativity that I know. Here's a quote. This energy that descends, this sense of being given a task, of being a vessel for some mystery, this is real. And any writer will tell you about it if you ask them and they are in the mood to talk about their writing, which most writers rarely are. Is it a gift? To me, it feels like both an honor and an obligation. When I feel it descend and you always know in advance that it's coming, I feel a duty to try and transcribe what I am given to the best of my ability. I scrabble around, I get away from other people, I need to find peace, a quiet space. I find those scraps of paper and I ready myself. I longed for the descent Kings North describes. I craved it, but often, too often, I was not readying myself, only avoiding. The energy did not come down. I had no sensation of being assigned a task. I felt the obligation, but it was contractual, not spiritual. I read Annie Dillard's 1989 essay, Write Till You Drop, only wishing that I could be writing so much that I would faint from exhaustion. At its best, the sensation of writing is that of any unmerited grace. It is handed to you, but only if you look for it. You search, you break your fists, your back, your brain, and then, and only then, it is handed to you. From the corner of your eye, you see motion. Something is moving through the air and headed your way. It is a parcel bound in ribbons and bows. It has two white wings. It flies directly at you. You can read your name on it. If it were a baseball, you would hit it out of the park. It is that one pitch in a thousand you see in slow motion. Its wings beat slowly as a hawk's. All these metaphors of approach the landing strip, the attractive trap for the reluctant muse, the descent from above, the object moving through space towards your head, your mind, but it was as though all of these things needed wind to power them, and I was in the doldrums with no breeze to inflate the sails. So I lay on the floor and wept, occasionally with some light writhing thrown in, I bored my friends and relatives with complaints or subjected them to irritable, incontinent, retrospectively embarrassing emotional outbursts. I wanted to punch people in the face. I wanted to punch myself in the face. I had recurrent flashes of that scene in Alien where John Hurt is in agony on the table with a thing moving underneath his skin and the alien bursts through but kills him in the process. I pace through the fields and forests near my home because the fresh air and the movement of one's legs is supposed to unlock something. I hugged trees. And, this is no word of a lie, in a crystal shop in the Lake District, I got on my phone and looked up the stones that are supposed to help writers. Clear quartz for focusing the mind and bringing creativity. Blue lace agate for speaking your truth in nonfiction writing. Blue appetite for strengthening your commitment to a big project, like a book. Sodalite for breaking through when you're stuck. Tiger's eye for self-confidence. I say no word of a lie because this feels so improbable, doesn't feel like something I'd do at all. But I bought the stones and gripped them in my hands hard enough to turn them into some other kind of rock. And I set my intentions. I blocked out time. 
changed the colors of the blocks and changed my day job schedule over and over as though there were a magical calendar arrangement that would prove stronger than my avoidance. Eventually, I joined the London Writers' Salon community. I got a whiteboard progress tracker to which I assigned a kind of talismanic power. My surgery and the pandemic became smaller in the rearview mirror, and then I accepted that one doesn't emerge from three intensive days of psychotherapy work per week in a refreshed creative frame of mind. So I took a sabbatical that broke the back of the book, in a good way. When my editor's comments came back, I was still exhausted from the writing of the thing in the first place, and I had been laboring under the delusion or hope that the manuscript would be so perfect as to not necessitate any major changes. In this I was mistaken. In the presence of my virtual writing community, I had one particularly memorable episode of narcissistic injury and dented hubris so extreme that I ugly cried for what felt like ages with snot running down my face. I almost gave up, chucked it in. But in an isolated cabin by a little pond in Hertfordshire, too expensive by half after half a year's break from work, I managed it. I seethed and raged and struggled, choking on the thick smog of imposter syndrome that had descended in place of the muse. I felt ashamed for ever having thought these chapters were good, because I don't know what fugue state I'd been in when writing some of them, but they were no better than dog's dinners. I emerged from some chapter edits feeling like I'd been wrestling lions and tigers and bears in some gladiatorial arena of the mind. Scratched and bruised, I ultimately emerged victorious. Flash forward to several months later, and it's now my publication day. In London Writer's Salon the other day, as my book launch for Reboot was being featured in Writer's Hour, one of my hosts said, Everyone, if you're struggling, remember, Elaine has been through that, and here she is with her book in her hand. Or something to that effect. And it's true. I have been through it. I want to be transparent, and I want all writers who have enjoyed any measure of success to be thoroughly honest about it too. All the ugliness and the difficulty, the snot crying, the regrettable tantrums and outbursts, the literal writhing on the floor and the rending of the garments and the pulling out of the hair, the alien flipping and clawing in your chest and your stomach, refusing to be ignored and fighting to be free. None of these are reasons not to do it. If you're like me, perhaps you feel as though you have no choice. What can you do but write? You want it to be natural and obvious and painless, but it never will be. The fear and loathing and pain is all part of it. Your mind tells you to give up, claiming to be your friend who cares about you and your well-being, but that's a nonsense, I think. How many things truly worth doing come with at least some measure of pain? I couldn't end this with anything other than Paul King's North and a quote from his Savage Gods. Because it is savage, this writing life. Wild and frightening and cruel, and yet we do it. Could I write like a tree would write? Like a river would write? Like an air current under a swallow's wing? The head of a plantain in the south of the field? A sycamore leaf falling to ground in early autumn? Could I sing the mathematics of it all in poems and watch them dance away and be lost beneath the umber loam? Could I write like a myth, like an intuition, like an animal hunting? A cloud skimming? 
Can I write from the shores of the boiling lake? Is there truth down there, and can it ever be planted in symbols on a page? It is what I have tried to do for years. But what if it is impossible? What if there can never be writing in those places? What if there are no written words on that shore? What if writing is their enemy? What if it shrivels them, burns them up like grass in a brown drought? What if writers are not welcome there? Unless... You've been listening to Wednesday's Ghost with Elaine Casket, a podcast where I share a story that's true, that's real, and makes me feel a little bit vulnerable. And this one did. I want to thank every single person listening to this who's done something to help bear me up through this writing process of Reboot, which is out in the United Kingdom today, the 31st of August, 2023 a day that I thought would never come. My huge gratitude goes out to you. I literally couldn't have done it without you, without my community. And I appreciate that. Wednesday's Ghost is continuing, although it's been a bit more infrequent lately. At the moment, I'm focusing on the weekly podcasts that are linked to chapters of Reboot, Reclaiming Your Life in a Tech-Obsessed World. Those are being doled out on a roughly weekly basis over the coming month and a half or so. Uh, so head on over to Your Life on Tech, Reboot Your Life on Tech, my other Substack publication. And if you are willing to subscribe and become an annual paid subscriber, you can get copies of both Reboot and All the Ghosts in the Machine straight to your house or straight into your ears in audiobook form, courtesy of me, the author. So please consider subscribing if you're enjoying Wednesday's Ghost or Life on Tech. I'll be talking to you again soon on Wednesday's Ghost. And so take care until then.